If you like music's greatest mysteries, you've got to check out Dan Rather's The Big Interview for some incredible true stories from the biggest names in music. Check out the podcast sometime. On this episode of Music's Greatest Mysteries, the shocking details around Sam Cooke's tragic death. An enormous star of Sam Cooke's caliber was murdered, and it wasn't investigated. Then, is there voter fraud on American Idol? I don't know if it makes American Idol criminal, but it definitely makes it shady. Finally, Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo's legendary romance. They wanted her to be seen as perennially seductive, and this was not in the marketing plan. Sam Cooke, the king of soul. It's Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke was as big as they come. Sam Cooke is one of the top recording stars. He made his own music. He produced his music. And he also becomes the voice for a cause. He become a lot more active in the civil rights movement, going from just being a pop star to being an advocate for change. But does his activism make him a target? He was a black man with some measure of power. He was also hanging out with the Martin Luther Kings of the world and the Malcolm X's of the world. And like many activists in the 1960s, his life is cut short. 60 years later. There were a lot of things from that night that really didn't add up. The mystery remains. It's not even just one conspiracy. There are probably four or five layers to this thing. What the hell happened to Sam Cooke that night? The legend begins in Chicago, where Sam grows up the son of a reverend. He starts singing in his father's church, and at the age of 19, joins a gospel group, the Soul Stirrers. But the young singer wants to reach a wider audience and strikes out on his own. And in 1957, he releases the single that will make him a superstar. Darling, you send me... When you hear Sam Cooke's voice come out of the speakers, you stop what you're doing. You Send Me goes to number one on both the R&B and pop charts. And over the next eight years, Cook has 29 top 40 singles, many of which he writes himself. Sam Cook was a game changer, one of the earliest crossover stars. But as his popularity grows, so does his desire to stand up to injustice. On top of being an amazing singer, Sam Cooke was also a black rights activist. He was friends with Malcolm X. He was friends with Muhammad Ali. Uh -huh. This is Sam Cooke. As you can see, like me, he's awful pretty. <laughs> and he did his best to advance civil rights at a time when being an artist and advancing civil rights could basically kill your career. And a lot of the songs that he wrote touched uh, the struggle of what was going on with African-Americans in the 50s and the 60s. Well, if you observe uh, what's going on and try to figure out how, pe how people are thinking and determine the, 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 the times of your day, I think you can always write something that the people will understand. Sam takes the biggest risk of his career when he puts his frustrations to music with the era-defining song, A Change Is Gonna Come. I was born by the river. A Change Is Gonna Come People were worried about that. People were very upset with where Sam Cooke was headed. Just like the river I've been running. 
change is going to come was considered too controversial, upset too many people and, and, and could start riots. Opening the eyes of the world to what was going on during the civil rights movement, fans were mad, the record labels were mad. A long time coming, but people were concerned about that. On the night of December 11th, 1964, Sam Cooke is in L.A. He heads out for a night on the town. Sam Cooke was married, but also had a reputation as a womanizer. When you're that big a celebrity, you're that good looking, you're bound to attract uh, the ladies. And, uh, you know, he didn't refuse them. The lady Sam meets this evening is Elisa Boyer and the two end up at a local motel after a night of heavy drinking. Once he's in the room with Miss Boyer, things begin to, you know, get a little squirrely. She claims that Sam tried to rape her. He had pinned me down on the bed and he pulled me up and um, he yanked my, he pulled my sweater off and he ripped my dress off. She decides to take her clothes and Sam's clothes and runs out of the room with them. Sam goes and finds the manager of the hotel, Bertha Franklin, and accosts Miss Franklin. And she pulls out a gun. And she actually shoots Sam. According to legend, his last words were, lady, you shot me. A 55-year-old woman shoots Sam first. Then, as Sam is laying there and dying, she decides to assault him with a broom handle. Sam Cook's shot and beaten body is quickly taken away by LAPD. The fatal bullet goes missing, and the autopsy report doesn't include the extent of his injuries. Less than a week later, Sam's death is ruled a justifiable homicide. It's very telling that a star of Sam Cooke's caliber, his murder wasn't investigated. It was a quick open and shut case. It was almost as if they were trying to cover up something. They were just trying to sweep it under the rug. Why didn't the LAPD investigate Sam Cooke's death? Coming up, conflicting details about Sam Cooke's final night point towards a conspiracy. The story is very convenient as it is officially told. I feel he was set up to die. And later, his American Idol rigged. One person said that he had voted nearly 11,000 times. December 11th, 1964. Crossover R&B star and civil rights activist Sam Cooke is found dead at a seedy hotel in L.A. The official story is that Bertha Franklin kills Sam in self-defense, but other theories suggest that robbery is the real motive. There's some evidence that the office manager and the woman that Sam Cooke was with were in cahoots. Sam had a whole lot of money, according to reports, and he was flashing it around. When they found him, he only had about 100 bucks on him. A month after Sam Cooke's death, Eliza Boyer was actually arrested for prostitution. And her and Bertha Franklin were working together 
at the Hacienda Hotel. So a lot of people believe that Boyer and Franklin conspired to rob Sam Cooke. But the severe wounds on Cooke's body that aren't detailed in the official autopsy point to something else. At Sam Cooke's funeral, Singer, I did James visit the body, and he was badly beaten, and her words looked like he'd been beaten by multiple people. His hands were crushed. They say he was beaten so bad that his head was nearly separated from his body. That doesn't sound like something that a 54-year-old woman is capable of doing. The story is very convenient as it is officially told. I feel he was set up to die. I don't believe that Bertha shot Sam Cooke. I think this was a red herring to distract us from um, who wanted him killed. One possibility is that Sam is murdered elsewhere, his body dumped at the hotel, and that Bertha Franklin is just a patsy. Adding to that conspiracy, there are no reports of injuries to Bertha Franklin or complaints from the hotel guests reporting loud noises that night. If Bertha Franklin isn't Sam Cooke's killer, then who is? There's a fantastic list of candidates of people who might have set him up to die, including the mafia, they said. I'm not prepared to say the government did it, but I'm not prepared to say that the government did not do it. Contemporaries of his in the civil rights movement, Dr. King, Malcolm X, that same decade, they were assassinated. It raises the question, who did he piss off enough to want him dead. It's only a conspiracy when things are not clear. What's very clear is that the LAPD did not investigate one of the biggest pop stars in that era, their death, what happened, and why. Regardless of who is ultimately responsible for Sam Cooke's death, his legacy as a pioneering R&B songwriter and an early civil rights advocate lives on. No matter how it ended, it's not bigger than Sam's legacy. This is the same guy who wrote, a change is gonna come. So Sam's legacy is that of a, you know, fabulous entertainer and a hell of a songwriter. How he died, his career will overshadow that. This is American Idol. American Idol. It's shaped American television and pop culture, becoming the iconic talent competition show. American Idol rocked not just the nation, but the world, and it would produce some of the biggest music stars we have now. American Idol is the biggest singing competition, talent competition in the history of TV. The winner of American Idol 2003 is... But some of the outcomes have been questionable start to wonder, is the true artist the one who got the win, or is it the person who is a part of the better story? Game show manipulation dates back to the 50s. Going back to the early days of television, one of the biggest breaking stories was the game show scandals. General H.W. Halleck. You're right, the Incas. Right, Eva Marie Saint. Right, you have 10 points. Virtually every game show was rigged. The fallout leads to legislation that bans cheating on game shows. Fast forward to 2002, the premiere of a global phenomenon. 
you at home decide who will become the next American Idol. American Idol wasn't revolutionary, but it was different enough to separate it from past shows where people won competitions by singing. American Idol completely changed the game just by getting the formula right. But almost immediately, that formula comes under intense scrutiny. Season two is when conspiracy theories really went into overdrive. Your American Idol finalists, Ruben Stoddard and Clay Aiken. That season was considered the closest race in American Idol history. At the end of the season, it looked like Clay Aiken was ahead. You're the one they've got to beat. But at the very end, Ruben Stuttered came out on top with more votes. Ruben Stuttered! So for him to come in second just seemed kind of suspect to lots of the public. The surprising upset is made more confusing by Idol's host. Ryan Seacrest did not understand the margin by which Ruben Stuttered won. He said aloud it was 1,300 votes, and then it was 13,000, and then it was a different number. Fox later corrected it and said it was actually 130,000, which is still, in the big scheme of things, small. Ryan Seacrest then made a joke, oh, our counts were drunk, they miscounted. But if people are looking for a reason to think that Clay was robbed, Ryan played Ryan to their hands. Who knows, maybe he did that on purpose. For idle sleuths, the discrepancy is evidence of fraud. The rumors started to come out that they're staged, they're setting them up. A question very early on was the voting rigged. Coming up, more idol scandals, including the biggest one to date, Chris Allen and Adam Lambert. I don't know if it makes American Idol criminal, but it definitely makes it shady. And later, Pat Benatar battles for love against her record label. We can create distance between these two. We can separate them. In 2003, Ruben Studdard defeats Clay Aiken to become the second American Idol. But the result leaves viewers shocked, and worse, leery of the show's legitimacy. Despite that drama, Idol's popularity continues to soar, but not without scrutiny. The Adam Lambert and Chris Allen situation, where every week, Adam Lambert was knocking them dead. Words are unnecessary, but I want to give you a standing ovation. But Chris Allen ends up winning. Lambert fans scrutinize the vote totals and find actual evidence of fraud. AT&T was the sponsor of the show. If you were an AT&T customer, you could text a number and vote. The rest of America had to dial in a number. Chris Allen was from Conway, Arkansas, and there were a lot of rallies and big parties on the finale week for him. AT&T salesmen literally went to Chris Allen viewing parties and taught fans how to power vote. There was, in fact, one person who said that he had voted nearly 11,000 times. AT&T admitted that they gave out free phones to those parties to do the text voting, and Arkansas accounted for 38% of the vote. I don't know if 
it makes American Idol criminal, but it definitely makes it shady. AT&T apologizes for influencing the outcome and Idol permanently bans power voting. Despite calls for the FCC to investigate the show's voting practices, the agency declines. So, is it fixed? Is American Idol rigged? Rigged is a strong word. Are they telling us the truth? Are they not? I don't know. I'll never forget seeing Pat Benatar on MTV. Pat Benatar. Her attitude, her voice, and her look define a decade. That girl looked just like Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar came to kick ass, and she did. It's fun being the bad girl. It's an alter ego that I get to play out whenever I want. That was eye-opening for a lot of young girls. But behind the scenes, Rock's bad girl has a problem, a forbidden love affair with her guitarist. They had to keep their relationship secret. The record label was sabotaging her relationship with this guy. Regardless of how much you love each other, that'll take a strain on anyone. Halloween, 1977, New York City. A singer wearing a spandex cat suit gets up on stage at a club, and the music industry takes notice. By the end of the decade, she has a deal with Chrysalis Records. Producer Mike Chapman sets to work finding Pat a musical partner and brings in guitarist Neil Giraldo. But Pat has reservations about her potential bandmate. Pat actually hears Neil outside asking to borrow someone's guitar. She thought, well, who's this clown? This guy doesn't even bring his own guitar to my session. So her first impression before she sees him is, what is he doing here? With borrowed guitar in hand, Neil enters the studio and forever changes Pat's life. The minute that he hit the first chord on the guitar, she almost fell to her knees, and that was the end. I, like, blinding white light, I just saw him, and it, I, all I kept thinking to myself is, there you are, like, where have you been? She was in love musically and romantically. The duo record her debut album, In the Heat of the Night, which peaks at number 12 on the Billboard chart. Offstage, Pat and Neil's relationship is heating up, which is problematic for her marketing campaign. The record company felt like they could sell more records if Pat was single. Every man wants you, and we're going to make sure they think they can get you. Can a female rock and roll star really escape that sexual image? Yeah, I don't think you can escape it. I mean, that's part of it. The label did everything they could to first create the appearance that they weren't together, and that rift caused problems with their relationship. We can create distance between these two. We can separate them. Coming up, will the label end this rock and roll romance? They actually broke up while they were on tour together. Just two years into her career, Pat Benatar is already a legitimate superstar. Pat Benatar. I love winning so much. But she's in a relationship with guitarist Neil Giraldo, creating problems for her label. They wanted her to be seen as perennially available, perennially seductive, and to have a very public romance with someone in her band was not in the marketing plan. Their solution? Try to break up 
the power couple. The record label played a part in creating the tension and the dissent between the two of them. They didn't want Neil to have the production credits that any other producer negotiates staunchly for and deservedly wins. Just for the sake of pulling them apart and trying to discourage that union. They actually broke up while they were on tour together. But Pat and Neil reunite and have a secret wedding in 1982. And in 1984, they released their autobiographical smash hit, We Belong. The big love song of their entire story is probably We Belong. song encapsulates everything they went through and everything they achieved and held out for on the other side. They've now been married for 40 years, and in 2022, both make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A rock and roll power couple that lasts? That's almost unicorn status. I think they are rock and roll's ultimate power couple. They made it, they did it all on their own terms, and as far as I know, they're still happy as can be voice of a movement, suspiciously silenced. Scandals surrounding America's premier talent show and a romance forged in rock and roll. They're all music's greatest mysteries. Thank you for joining us for Music's Greatest Mysteries, where we investigate the legendary mysteries surrounding the biggest names in music. Now remember, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go ahead and leave us a review and don't keep the show a secret. Tell a friend.